0: Welcome, Guardians. It's July 18th and 19th, 2016, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. This is episode 33, and uh, we're taking a break from our exotics we've been talking about for the past few weeks to uh, to talk to a very special guest. Actually, we've got two very special guests, uh, so before... We introduce, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Scooby's back. Oh, thanks after guys. A, after a long hiatus, uh, you you sure know which shows to pick. I will tell you. Oh, you um, know, I you know, yeah. Uh, also, have uh, Gabble Ratchet. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Good, good. Excited to be doing this again. It seems like we were <clears throat> just doing this last night.
1: Very much like that.
0: Cause we were um also got drop slash hey man how's it there's, going
1: there's less dark souls today though
0: and yeah the servers I know. are
1: down right now i'm so <laughs> sad about it
0: and uh last but not least sherbet pop how's it going
2: i'm good yeah hi
0: yeah back again she didn't mm-hmm. she didn't get scared and run off yet so no. but we aren't here to talk to us we're here to talk to our very special guest uh and you might know her from some work she's done on Fallout New Vegas, Guild Wars 2, Bleach, Naruto, did I say that right? Naruto? Yep. Okay, good. I butchered so many names last night I had to make sure. Uh, <laughs> Medium, and a huge, huge host of, of other popular works. Uh, Destiny fans, though, that we're mainly speaking with, you will know her as Kell of Wolves, Monarch of the Awoken, Queen of the Reef, the one and only Marasov. It's our very sincere pleasure to introduce Kirsten Potter to the show. How are you?
3: I'm very well. It's nice to be here. What a t- list of titles. That's an honor. That's I feel very important in this particular moment. <laughs> that will pass. I know it will.
0: Yeah, you you are very important in in not only in game but Just what we're about to talk about is amazing and I don't know we'll we'll hopefully find out how long you've been doing this but you've got so much just so many things under your belt it's amazing to me to read through this list and I'm sure we've got the very abridged version of it because I've seen so many things but um, Kirsten has performed at theaters across the country uh, including the Geffen Playhouse
4: Mm -hmm.
0: Mark Tapper Forum Mark Taper uh, Taper Laguna Playhouse, Seattle Repertory Theater, the uh, arena stage, and arena stage, sorry. Uh, Her film and TV works include shows uh, that we mentioned at the start, but also Judging Amy, Bones, The Eyes Have It, and the amount of video game and animation roles that that you've done are just, like I said, amazing. Uh, Numerous, numerous audio books, including Hattie Big Sky, If I Stay... Mad Apple, The Neighbor, Sammy's oh, yeah. House, The Snowball. Um, buffet buffet. I really want to hear it. So I, well, I'll ask you this later. Face uh, <laughs> yourself. Three, and okay, so what's this? So three audiophile earphone awards. I'm actually um, up to about for,
3: 15 audiophile earphones awards whoa, now. what? I, I think. I, I keep them in a drawer. I, I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's 15 or so. Maybe I'm over. Maybe ten. I know. I think there's. I think I'm up there now. Yeah, I'm. So, I mean, so I'm 157 are, are years old, so I've been doing this forever. It sure seems like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: the cynical voice gives it away.
3: <laughs> um. Back in my day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, so what what is this? What is an earphone award?
3: Uh, the earphones. It's a. Uh, it's a recognition that goes out to audiobooks in various genres uh, through the Audiophile magazine. So they will honor the best in a particular genre for that. I think it. I think Audiophile comes out six times a year. Yeah. I don't think it's monthly. I think it's every other month. And uh, so it's great. And um, it's nice to be recognized. And then there's the big award at the end of the year that one person in each category wins. And... I've been nominated for that one a few times, an Audi. That's called Audi, Audi, and uh, I lost to Tina Frickin Fay a couple years ago, which <laughs> it's just so unfair. That's just unfair to even be in competition. It's not a
0: popularity contest, people. Come on.
3: Kinda of, though. I mean, you know. Yeah. No, she deserved life. it. <laughs> so yeah, it's nice to be. It's nice to be recognized. It's because it is a little off-putting. I, I usually self-direct and self-edit. So, as I'm sitting now, it's me in a very small, dark room talking to myself, which is either the making of an audiobook or what a crazy person would do with the <laughs> three And it's hard to, to, to gauge which it is at times, because you have no sense of whether it's working or... I mean, sometimes you you think it is, and you hope it is, but it's nice to get reassured once in a while that people actually are listening. <laughs> eventually.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It definitely sounds like a recipe for insanity. It can uh, be, at, at yeah. Some
4: point.
0: <laughs> I I know. Uh, just it's solitude can can drive you crazy, and I'd imagine that uh, that something like that, it's you got to get a little breath of fresh air occasionally. But man, I can't believe that you self edit. All yes. that stuff. That,
3: yeah. I that do is. have a quality control team that goes in afterwards just to catch the mistakes that I missed. But yeah, I do all the punch and editing. Do
0: you wow. do that in real time, like as you're recording or oh, is yeah. it something you do after the fact?
3: Oh yeah, in real time. I've gotten pretty good at it, you know, gauging the size of a breath and when I can get back in there and fix and yeah. It's wow. very cool. It's interesting, especially 'cause I'm so un-tech savvy as you can tell by how long it took <laughs> us to hook up this freaking Skype call that I just I'm so ignorant about all of this and yet I know exactly which buttons to push to get into the waveform and make that happen but if anything breaks I have to be on the phone with somebody because I I can't I can't handle that
0: see I like the fact that she took the blame for that Skype call even though it was probably my
3: fault well, there was something about um. adding contacts and enabling something, and you asked me to do that, and I didn't know what the hell you were talking I, about.
0: <laughs> I, hey, it, we're here. We made it. We did so it. That's, that's, that was awesome. Yeah, we did it. Woo! Okay, we'll see you next time. Um, <laughs> well, I, I just kind of want to – let's run down this list a little bit that we, we have for uh, for the, the film and, and gamography stuff and just kind of mention some of these characters and if you have any – I mean, any any – Stories or memories about about the performances or what you thought about the characters or if it's something that you I can didn't remember them yeah lied. okay I, I'm sure yeah I know it's 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 maybe been a while but um uh, let's just we'll, we'll just kind of go through and and also just to give everyone an idea of, of what kind of characters you played so obviously the to start you know we have we're gonna go backwards here okay uh, we've got destiny so rain right. Marsov okay. which oh my gosh I'm, I'm sure that <laughs> that was probably a pretty interesting character to play.
3: Fascinating. Yeah. I, I'm, and, and her evolution, because she started out very differently. Um, when I first was cast in the role, she was a pirate. Um, she had a knife strapped to her thigh, and she—I remember in the initial audition, they had me— I was assuming I was just coming in to read some sides— do you want is this is this time for the Genesis story of getting Marsov or do you want it more vague right now?
0: <laughs> uh, we can, I mean, we can go I, a little vague. I, yeah, I think okay. we've got some some discussion down below on that. So.
3: She's well, yeah. So she's just she's calmly, quietly powerful right now. Her her the incarn the incarnation of Marisov that we landed with at this point. She's she is that, and that's far from the original pirate, but. I I get it. They sold me on that, and I kind of understand. I understand why they want that. So.
0: So I was I was doing a little uh, Twitter stalking of you, uh, prepping for the show. That sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to, for that to sound as creepy as it did, but um, I saw I saw what I thought was pretty funny. There was a a, a question posed to you by I guess some Destiny fans of. Whether or not you were the only voice of the queen, because they they thought that it sounded so different between year one and two, year two, mm. and I have to agree, she kind of took on more of a commanding role in the second the second year. But but uh, your your answer was great. So if you want to find Kirsten out there uh, on Twitter, she is doesn't doesn't tweet too much, but uh, <laughs> I'm too <laughs> but busy recording
3: at, all these books. Exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, but she's at Kirsten underscore Potter. Uh, and uh, and it's it's fun to watch. I mean, just reading back through some of the old ones were even good. Uh, but moving on because I get sidetracked pretty easy. Um, what do we got? Oh, Guild Wars two now. Uh, that that was the polar actually... bear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, d- now is that? Did you play two characters? I did. That? Is that what the...
3: Yeah, I was a a, a brassy woman. Interacted with the player a lot, and then I was an eight-foot polar bear. which <laughs> was awesome. You gotta <laughs> love video game lines. One. I mean, when do you ever get to play an eight-foot polar bear? That was such a <laughs> blast. Yes, exactly. uh, it
1: seems like a bucket list item, really.
3: Right? I mean, like, okay, give me your best because they're all so earnest in the direct. Give me your best polar bear voice. I was like, you <laughs> got polar bear voice. <laughs> I got, I got that one. That's on my resume. Polar bear voice.
0: That's <laughs> great. Uh, and then we've got uh, The Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, uh, which right. was a TV series, right?
3: Yes, it was. Yeah, Lucia. And then I was also his helmet. I think that <laughs> was for the same. <laughs> played your,
0: you, so you played your own helmet?
3: No, I was Tony's. <laughs> I was Tony's oh. helmet.
1: Yeah, uh, Maria.
3: No, complete... no, she was no? somebody I was, I was. I don't think so, because he had the. The voice that was his whole house computer, I was just oh, the helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the helmet. was the helmet. Yeah, that doesn't actually sound very cool. It felt cool for, at the time. <laughs> I
0: think it sounds awesome. <laughs> it but, sounds awesome. Yeah.
3: I've,
1: well, in, the, uh, in the comics, Lucia von Bardis is a really awesome character.
3: Yeah, I always thought uh, she was going to get to do yeah. a little more. She seems so badass. But uh, she, she had a short ride. That was a great team. I remember that studio down in L.A. They were fun to work with.
0: And then uh, you also did some stuff with the uh, kingdoms of Alamor.
3: Uh, I did. What was that? <laughs> uh,
1: General Tolera.
3: Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> God. <laughs> this, is, this is great. uh um,
0: Saints Row the Third, uh, and that just looks like some some extras mm. as far as voices
3: go. Mm-hmm. Silent now Hill was, was a big one. I liked that one. That was fun. The cop yeah, and the cheap, sort of choose-your-own-adventure quality of that one.
1: Oh, that, yeah, that was Shattered
3: Memories. It was fascinating because know. you had to do each line with multiple tone takes because depending on how the the player played through the action if they were snotty to you you got to respond back in a in that manner and so you had to you know do it once nicely and sort of flirtatiously and once like you're cutting them down and once like they just spilled soup on you and it's basically (laughs) the same words that take you to the same direction but it just you got to keep shifting tone which was a fun exercise i remember enjoying that
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, how much uh, kind of creative liberties do you take with, or can you take with some of these, as far as the lines themselves? You're able to add lib at all, especially like for some of these, like back on Saints Row the Third, like some of these additional voices.
3: Oh yeah, Is I mean, if you're part of a yeah. crowd, you can you can say all sorts of stuff. <laughs>
0: So, so you just go there and just start hollering, whatever, and then you're like, okay, see ya.
3: You know, if you've been working long enough and you get... I, I do this in audiobooks too. There's, it's terrible. This is bad. You should never do this. Um, for those of you <laughs> hoping to do audiobooks, um, I usually give myself one character that I'm just allowed to just mess with. And they, you, they aren't allowed to speak very much. And I often do it in the, in the books that have dialects. And there'll be one often Scottish maid or something who's just, who makes Shrek look really articulate and understated. And (laughs) (laughs) it's just something that kind of keeps it alive for me, which is bad. I I really, I I I stopped that
2: night.
0: (laughs) I was wondering what the hell you were doing when I heard that. Because I heard that in one of those. Did you? Oh, uh, no, they used it for the clip. Oh,
3: see, that's karma right there. (laughs) That's payback so, on the part of the audiobook some of those company. accents
0: are great, though.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, as long as they're done with nuance and subtlety and propriety. But if, you know, you slab it on with a stick of butter, it's a little bit... A little thick. It's a little thick, yeah. So I, I try to keep that reined in most of the time. But and, it, it's a small and, dark room. You gotta do something. And, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh well, so we've got a few other things here. I'll just kind of run through, and then we'll get down here to some of our, our questions, uh, just to, uh, so she mentioned uh, the Silent Hill, uh, mm-hmm. Falling New Vegas, Trauma Team.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, the doctor.
0: Yeah, Naomi. Oh, God. Kim- Kimishima. Kim- Kim- mm-hmm. Kimishima? English. <laughs> uh, uh, Naruto, uh, now, you played some extras on Bones and Judging Amy. No, I was a
3: <clears throat> guest star on Bones. I uh, yeah. was a horrible murderer uh, in an episode. <laughs> I know. Again, you wonder how I got so cynical. I um, killed my own child, so I removed the, chi- the, the un- yet-to-be-born fetus from a friend of mine and took her child. Wow. Wow! Uh, spo- I should have said spoiler alert. That's, it's <laughs> a- spoiler alert. <laughs> It was uh, me. I I did it. I got arrested. Episode of Bones. Yeah. Yeah, no, (laughs) it was horrible. Yeah, I'll never be brought back on that show. I mean, I killed all these people.
0: (laughs) Warning, avoid dark rooms. Right? Yes, exactly.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Although, if you're going to be a guest star, you might as well be the murderer. I mean, as guest stars go, you can either be grieving over somebody that you love that was killed, or you can be the one who does the murdering, and which would you choose? I mean, honestly. What's what's more? Oh, yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. Every time I see, you know, watch a a television series and you see a a somewhat popular actor or actress like, oh, yeah, they did it.
3: Right. See, I was I'm (laughs) unknown. So I could go either way. They think I'm just (laughs) going (laughs) to grieve. Ha ha. Oh,
0: she's she's nobody. Oh, my gosh.
3: (laughs) I opened it. Oh, look at that. Hey, right. Welcome to the. I opened a play last week up here in Seattle, and I had a good friend of mine come to the opening night. This is the third or fourth show he's seen of mine in the last year, and he said, we're there having a drink afterwards. He goes, you play the most horrid, despicable people I have ever had to witness. I was like, what? She's not that bad. And he's like, she's, I said, she feels bad about what she did. He's like, what she did is wrong. He was mortified. And. I kind of laughed because the next role I'm cast in is uh, Murtai in Dangerous Liaisons, which is the role Glenn Close played in the film, who just yep. oh yeah ruins people's <laughs> lives as a hobby. I'm like, oh boy, I think I think Shit. I yeah, I think I've gone too far with the dark side.
0: <laughs> so, so the show you mentioned—that's uh,
3: Daisy, mm. right? Yep. Who's got a dog? Oh, sorry. No, it's
2: cute. That's <laughs> <laughs> an Australian dog. He's supposed to be sleeping. No, oh,
1: I, I, have an Aust- I have an Australian dog.
3: I do too. Wait, who has a dingo? No, no.
1: I no. A dingo. <laughs>
3: That's bad. That's.
2: He, he's like the opposite of a dingo. He's like half poodle. He's all curly and
0: fluffy.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'll be back. He <laughs> doesn't eat babies, I presume. <laughs> no, he doesn't.
0: Oh, That's too far. Too I've far. got
3: two seventy pound dogs. Big dogs. Wow. Yeah, they're yeah. they're big dogs.
0: So what's what is uh I gotta ask now because I'm interested, what's what's Daisy about?
3: Oh, so um it's it's actually I'm fascinated by this play. It was written by Sean Devine, who's a Canadian playwright, and it was developed by John Langs at Act Theater. I've been involved with it on and off for the last two years. So when we started, we thought we were just making this historical play about the 1964 presidential con- uh, election between LBJ and Goldwater. And as we continued to get it closer to production, some strange things started happening in American politics. Because in 1964, LBJ was the presumptive winner. Uh, he Everyone assumed he would win, but they assumed he would be running against one of the more mainstay Republican candidates like Nelson Rockefeller or one of these others. And this kind of wild card guy that shoots from the hip and says what he thinks and uh, really gets into, taps into the anger and the fear that people had at the time, shoots up in the polls and takes the Republican nomination. And the convention is tumultuous because he calls for extremism. He calls for, uh, he, he condemns moderation and people are frightened and afraid. Meanwhile, at the same time, a white police officer, this is in 1964 I'm talking about, shot a black man and the Harlem riot started. So we're working on this historical play and we're watching it happen again. So much so that the ads that were made for the campaign in 1964, Hillary has just re-upped one of them to use for her campaign because it applies again. It's fascinating. So our play is is sort of Mad Men meets West Wing. And um, it's a group of four men uh, and myself. And it's about the creation of what is still considered to be one of the most contentious political ads that was ever made, which is the name Daisy. This is the ad. And you can watch it on YouTube. It's all over the place right now because of the issues that are coming up. And I think it's still shocking and really disturbing. And it, the idea this was the first campaign ad that ever tried to zap the, the populace. So as opposed to here's the campaign issue. This is what this person's for. This is what this person's for. It sort of zaps into our emotions to try to trigger a fear response, so we will be more likely to vote the direction that it's guiding us to vote. It's part science, part politics, and very creepy. And after this I... ad was made, that's the way political campaigning started to happen with the car- the boats, with the carry campaign, or the anti-carry campaign, but a few, whatever that was a few years ago. But it's just, it's kind of alarming to me as a, as a voter to think that we're being manipulated and we might not even be aware of it and it started in 1964 by this ad so wow yeah it's fascinating
0: yeah, you you look you look just as irritated in this picture i found of you standing on stage in your red dress
3: oh in the play <laughs> <As you sound. laughs> yeah my Marla thomas I, I, look yeah
0: we'll throw a link in the uh in the show notes for everybody that you can go out and, and
3: yeah uh, folks in the Canada seattle Somers. area it's uh, and it's
0: also it, the that link to the YouTube video you mentioned is also in oh for the just, Daisy uh, ad in this article. Mm-hmm, yeah, cool. yeah, so that's great. We'll get that out there, to everybody. I think
3: Rachel Maddow. No, she played the other ad on her show, which is kind of fascinating that it's just coming up again. Yeah. Hmm.
0: So, all right. Uh, so we're we're down here to our introduction of you. So welcome to the show. Where was I before? So, I mean, the few things that we've mentioned, and again, I don't think we've scratched the surface because we we barely mentioned any of the audio books or, or right. a, and a lot of the the other stuff you've done. Um, I mean, has this been something that that you've always wanted to do? Was this your kind of first love as a to, to be a to be an actress and an, and an <clears throat> excuse me and uh, and an audio kind of file?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, I always I always loved this. I always wished I could do something else there's a a commonly held theory in the performing arts that if you can do absolutely anything else you should uh because it's it's horrible it's horrible It's freelance and uh, unstable and it's been good to me and I'm grateful um but it costs a lot to, to do it, whether you know to pretend to be somebody else can be a lot of fun, but it 's also draining and exhausting and um, you, you know there's, you miss soccer games, you miss holidays, you miss time with your kids i mean it's it's a it's a crazy exhausting ride and um, but i i never I never could get myself to do anything else. Um, the evolution of the career was somewhat unexpected. I wanted to be a stage actor. That's all I wanted to do. And I got the job of my dreams right out of college. I was picked up a year before I graduated. I finished school and then went to join this company at Milwaukee Repertory Theater. So I was 21 and I had achieved my career goal, um, which was a little confusing. Um, So I Learned a lot. I studied with actors that are better than me, which is the best way to get better. And then I kind of didn't know what to do. And um, my, I met a fella, and uh, a month later we were engaged. And we moved to Los Angeles because that was, he wanted to be a TV actor. And then suddenly I was in Los Angeles. And that's when I met my dear friend Liam O'Brien. We were cast in a show at the Taper together and Liam liked my voice, and he introduced me into video games, and that was great, and, um, and then a few years later I found myself doing some Shakespeare, and then I found out I was pregnant, and so I was really scared, <laughs> and a friend of mine in that play <laughs> liked my voice and introduced me to Random House Audio, and that's when I met my mentor Dan Musselman, and got dozens of books with him and that spread out to other books so it was always kind of an accident um, and I've always stuck with the theater and television happens sometimes that was one I could never really get myself to pursue with, with both hands it was um, I just had such judgment of it which I'm sure doesn't help and um, <laughs> but I love theater and I, I love storytelling and um, that's what I love about video games is, you know, first person shooter isn't my favorite part. Um, The ammunition doesn't fascinate me the way it seems to. So many fans that I hear from on Twitter. but, um, But what I really, really love is character arcs and fascinating stories. And when the writers at Bungie or wherever sit down and tell me their stories, it's I mean, you just it's kind of mind boggling. I read some pretty bizarre science fiction in some of these series that I narrate, but nobody would ever come close to the storylines you can do in a video game. And I love, I mean, an eight foot tall polar bear. I just, I love <laughs> the lack of limitations on creativity that I see w- displayed by these incredible artists that are making these games. And the music. My kid has a game about this little string person, I've forgotten the name on it of it but this little string person unraveled unraveled. and just the visual and musical components of this game are artwork in and of themselves you'd buy that album or look at those paintings on walls and and yet it's all part of this game experience it's i have a great deal of respect for the for these creators did that even come close to answering the question i'm not sure sure. who cares (laughs) that's
0: awesome and i'll tell you what just the the like i said the little bit that I've I've listened to of your audiobooks uh, I mean it it shows that you are into I mean you had you had me at narrated by Kirsten Potter you know <laughs> <laughs> it was it's amazing and, and you it, it shows so I recommend anybody interested in, in checking out some more of her work to go
3: pick up a, one of her one of the audiobooks.
0: do you have do you have a favorite audiobook that you've narrated?
3: Oh, there's, I I get assigned such fascinatingly different genres, which I'm really grateful for. So it's hard to, it depends on my mood. Station 11, I loved. It's this horribly depressing, post-apocalyptic, fascinating look at what happens when the bird flu or whatever it is finally takes us out. And when we break down society, what are the elements that we fight to preserve for good and for bad? And it's, it's. I found that book fascinating. I just narrated uh, the history of white trash in America. I which heard part was part of that. All- that
0: was awesome.
3: Man, I had no, I mean, you know, we know a little of it, but some of it was, oh, Dark Money by Jane May. Oh my God, who knew? Who knew what was going on with the Koch brothers? Oh my God, that one is great. Um, I know more about Warren Buffett because of the snowball than I ever thought I would know, and that's awesome. Um, if I stay was beautiful. Um, there's so many mad apple. I don't know. I think that, I don't, that one, I think won a prize for the libraries. Um, beautiful book, beautiful book. So I, you know, it just depends on, and then, you know, there's my, my, uh, romp sex adventure books that, uh, the immortal Guardian series, yeah, and the by really master here. Joanne Bourne series. And <laughs> I remember when I first got assigned one of those, I called my really smart, awesome, phenomenal sister. And I was like, I'm so ashamed. I'm narrating these books and there's like a naked man on the cover and it's so beneath me and I can't believe I'm doing this. And I got about a quarter of the way into the book and I couldn't put it down. I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen to the naked man? It was so cool.
0: (laughs) Am I really that old lady with the romance
4: novels?
3: I know. I I mean there's a reason these are bestsellers. They're really great stories. And some of them, Joanne Bourne's especially, my God, the research that's in there about the Napoleonic era, it's they're great. I mean there's, you know, there's something to those too, I think.
1: So that actually leads into two questions that we have here. And one is do you choose all the books that you narrate or are they assigned to you? Uh
3: I'm assigned uh there are certain authors at this point now that will request me which is very flattering uh oh, no. and if I'm on a series I tend to stay with the series. I do have veto power and I have vetoed I think probably 5 books uh, since I've started doing this and I I guess I started about well, how old's my son. I started 10 years ago with audiobooks because he's 9. So um so yeah, I think in, in that in nine years I vetoed five.
1: Do I you read a... Oops, sorry. Yeah. Do you no. read do you read them beforehand? Know if you're going to veto them.
3: I do. I got burned once on page three hundred sixty odd when the author wrote he said in his Russian accent. I oh, kid you no. I came up at that point in the book and I thought <laughs> you didn't think to mention that earlier and I thought no I I deserve <laughs> that I had to go back in and punch in all of his dialogue with the thick russian accent that was established that late in the book oh, so I man. yeah I never made that lazy choice again <laughs> <laughs>
1: do, do you have conversations with the authors beforehand or I mean do you get like a, get a copy of the book read it and then decide or you get to reach well, out to the authors and talk about sort of character feel and settings and things like that.
3: It's lovely. It's a lovely luxury to get to talk to the authors. At the very least, I get to submit a word list to um, to my editors um, and the, the producers who then submit it to their people and their people send it to them. And just to get names correct to correctly pronounced and that sort of thing. Um, wow. The luxury of I rarely have the luxury of reading an entire book. Before accepting or denying the book, because I get so backlogged, mm-hmm. so I will read a summary of the book, maybe read a few reviews if it's already come out. If it hasn't come out, I read a, you know, a couple of chapters to get a sense of tone and uh, style um, to see if it's something I would enjoy doing. But usually, it's there's just there's so there's so many backed up that I don't get to uh, kick back and really go from cover to cover before starting.
1: Excellent. Yeah, I was just wondering about, I mean, you mentioned this sort of about accents because you can never sort of be sure when you're reading if it's not explicitly stated whether somebody has like an accent or a dialect or weird idiosyncrasies that get sort of incorporated into the, the narration itself, since you essentially have to play all the parts when you do that.
3: Yeah, which is which is great. I remember having to play five men in the American West sitting around a campfire talking. That was That uh-huh. was... One of my greater audiobook challenges uh, to differentiate five different cowboys from from each other. I gave one of them a lisp. I believe this was about me doing the thing you know. Yeah, yeah, that was probably a bad choice.
0: Yeah, no no offense, but you know, driving across the country with my dad for so many years and stopping and picking up Louis L'Amour audiobooks about oh. the westerns, <laughs> I don't think I could. Could hear your voice in one of those. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm done with you. They were, they're, you know, obviously my the books that I'll be assigned are are usually a female protagonist. Um, God, I can't remember the name of the series. It's a good series. It's murders and there's a woman barkeeper and she's sassy and grizzled and but of course young and incredibly sexy. You know, because you got to be that too. But. Um, it's they a hoot. I enjoy. God, I wish I could remember the name. Nah, of them. I got to go you, find it because it'll. You got to find it. Yeah, I'd I know it if I heard it. I've probably done four, four or five in this series. That was
0: amazing. I got to hmm? say this just because it was amazing. So, um, what? Oh, uh, what's the what's the the country restaurant? The uh, oh the man, the golden skillet. <laughs> <laughs> no, Cracker Barrel. <laughs> yeah, Cracker Barrel. Yeah. Oh used yeah. To, used to you could go in there and. Rent a book at a cracker barrel here in Missouri, and then when we got into Arizona, we could turn it in at one there and get a new ones. I didn't
3: know they had cracker barrels in the Midwest. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We,
1: my wife and I did that on our drive when we moved to Seattle. We did that all the way up. We rented audiobooks and we turned them in at cracker barrels along the way.
0: It was so fun. It is great.
3: I, was, I grew up back east, and we had cracker barrels the whole drive from Virginia to South Carolina, but I, I'd never seen one out here in Seattle.
0: Yeah,
1: so. they're, not, they're not that far, but there are some <laughs> on the way. <laughs> okay.
3: Yeah.
1: When we were on tour, we'd always stop at Cracker Barrels along the way. To get audiobooks? Um, yeah, we, uh, tri- yeah you when you're on a, a, a tour bus for 19 hours, <laughs> you've got to find things to do.
3: Oh, my God. What were you touring?
1: Uh, I did concert and live event production. So for four years straight, I toured with a concert series.
3: Oh, my goodness. That's a lot of audiobook time. Yes, it uh, is. That's Cracker Barrel. Like, I don't think I can Cracker Barrel. And I'm from the South originally. But yeah,
0: and listeners, go to your local libraries because you can rent, yeah. uh, you can borrow audiobooks there. You can even get them online. Uh,
3: yeah, you, from the library. They now um, let you ooh. rent the the audiobooks that way yeah, so, very, often. cool.
0: Very, cool. cool. So, sorry, I had to jump in there and say that.
3: <laughs> What's your library?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> So, you've got a, you, I mean, you've got a great client list that we that we know of with Bungie and, and Destiny. Uh, I mean, how did you, how did you end up getting involved with them?
3: This is a funny story. So, um, I was in Los Angeles, and my husband, who had left the film industry by that point and wanted to be a fireman, uh, was looking for a job because LA wasn't hiring. So. I had veto pity, uh, veto power over the cities, um, and I knew I wanted a major city that had theater. I had worked in Seattle already because I was brought in from New York years ago to do a couple shows up here. Um, I didn't want to move to New York because I lived in New York for nine eleven, and I couldn't handle the idea of being married to yeah. a fire um, in New York. As much as I respect them, I couldn't. I couldn't. It's too scary. Um, so I vetoed New York. Oh, um, well, there's my dog. Um, and, uh, so we ended up, he got this amazing job with the Bellevue, Bellevue fire department, uh, up here in the Seattle area. And I was deeply pregnant when we did the move up from LA and I got an audition at Seattle rep cause I knew those folks and I booked it. And the woman who cast me in that play that was going to start the following year was also at that time the director of this new video game that the Bungie team was putting together. So in addition to the list of the women they already knew uh, and had representation and were brought in, they added my name to the bottom of the list as the sort of dark horse candidate who was very pregnant. So when I got called in, I assumed this was just a a voiceover audition. Um, And I walked in and there was a table of weapons and a guy that I was supposed to do the scene with. And I thought, "Um, okay. (laughs) I said, give me, can I have five minutes? And they said, sure. And I left the room and they brought somebody else in and I memorized the scene and I went back in and I picked up a knife and I played the scene with this guy. And at one point it was, this was the pirate version of Marisov. So I got into it and I grabbed the guy. I can't remember who this poor guy, some sweet bungee fella, I'm sure. I grabbed him by the, back of the head, his hair, and pulled him into me and took the knife to threaten his throat, forgetting that my belly was so <laughs> distended that I knocked the man to the ground <laughs> with my pregnant stomach before I could even fully threaten him with the knife, and he was flat out on the ground. I didn't know what else to do, so I just kept playing the scene as if I fully intended to take him out before. With- and (laughs) got to the end of the scene and um, thanked everybody very much and called my sister on the drive home. I was like, that is the most fun I have ever had pregnant. That was so cool. (laughs) And uh, shockingly, I was brought back in for the next round. They did opt to put one of the other ladies in the mocap suit, shockingly. Um, (laughs) I don't think it could have stretched around me. And, uh, And I did end up booking the job. We were supposed to shoot the week I was due and uh, I asked if we could kind of put it off a little and they were really, you know, needed to get this done and they could CGI the belly out later and, well, this will be fine and I thought, well, if I go into labor while we're shooting, my husband had been assigned the downtown Bellevue district, so if they had to call 911, at least he would be the one sent to catch the baby. So that seemed like that would work out fine. And uh, they did postpone the shooting, so I was able to not do it totally pregnant, which was great.
1: They were so, did prom? you also do mocap for Mara?
3: Yes. Oh, that awesome. is my. Facial structure and my body movements and my voice. And it's funny, I remember the first time they showed us a clip, um, one of those early segments. It's Marisov and she's in her throne sitting in that askew angle, Mm -hmm. draped over the side. And she comes down the steps. And it's it's this kind of like a little slinky back and forth swagger sex walk. And... I started laughing when I saw it. I was like, "Oh man, you guys CGI'd the hell out of my walk!" And they all started laughing. They were like, "No, that's just your walk. That's just-
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: right." Yeah, that, that music in the background. <laughs> right, that's great. Yeah. Uh- yeah. So it was all done with with all three components. There was a lot of ADR afterwards. That's really cool. So oh. that was how it started, and that was four, almost five years ago. Wow! Man. Yeah, wow. I know it's been a long time, and it has changed a lot.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. Her her story has changed, and, and completely everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, that sort well, of takes us into the next question here.
4: Mm.
1: Which is that Queen Mara was part of the original Destiny experience, but she didn't become a really central figure until House of Wolves, and then especially uh, at the opening of The Taken King. Mm -hmm. So the question is, did you know you'd be taking on the role of such an important character when you first started?
3: Well, I mean, in her original incarnation, she was pretty pivotal, Um, and a lot of the other characters that are more central now weren't, at least in my knowledge, part part of the mix. But then of that original group of actors that I was shooting with, I think there were probably five or six Seattle based, really terrific stage actors. Uh, all of whom were, all but two were gone uh, as the script. And we shot everything. Everything was in the can, it was done. And then they redirected and got some new writers on board and changed what they wanted. And I don't know whose decision it was, but it was all different. And most everyone was let go. So there was this sort of sense of, geez, did, all right, I, I guess I made the cut. But at that point, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, and I remember coming in for a meeting, and uh, they pitched to me this new Marisov, who was, I mean, we didn't know her name was Marisov at that point, or at least I didn't. And uh, she was, I kept getting notes about her voice is very... It's ethereal and she's mystical and she's dreamy and she's this and, <laughs> and she's elegant and girlish and, and youthful and naive. And, and by the time they were done with all this list of adjectives that described a very different woman than I, um, I said, well, I hear you. And if that's where she is now, I can recommend some wonderful actresses that I have met in Seattle who would do that very well for you that's not what I do. And I can pitch up and I can add elements, but if what you want is someone that embodies youthful, naive innocence, you're really starting from the wrong raw material by casting me. (laughs) Um, So go ahead and make whatever decision is best for the game and Let me know what you decide. And we took a bathroom break. And I thought, oh, my God, I just talked them out of the best gig I've ever had. (laughs) And we got back from the break and the director said, no, no, we we want you. We just want her to have somewhere to go. So if you play all the cards that you hold as an actor now, she has nowhere to go. And that fascinated me. The idea of Hmm. someone who has all this power, but she doesn't need to use it yet. And maybe someday she will, as sure enough, with Taken King, she she started to come into her own um, until possibly the end. But, uh, <laughs> but that's still to be determined. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, so, no. Yeah, I mean, it's I never know what's happening uh, until until the game comes out, because we'll even shoot something and that's not what's happening. So it's tough to know.
1: It's just it's amazing. I mean, she's so she's become so critical uh, and she's become such an enormous fan favorite. Uh, so I'll have to ask, do you find yourself being recognized as or for your performance as Mara just because she's such a hugely popular character?
3: I haven't come across that just because uh, thanks to the wonders of CGI, though Mara has my bones and apparently my walk um (laughs) (laughs) we don't um, my eyes are very different than hers as is my hair and a lot i mean you know it's so no i don't think anybody would come up to me on the street and recognize me as her i i don't even know that they wouldn't recognize me from my talking voice because i i sort of alter it slightly to make it a more intense version to to be her um so, so no, the only thing that kind of freaked me out was, um, my friend, Liam talked me into getting a Twitter account, which I did kicking and screaming. Cause I just, <laughs> technology freaks me out. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not, on, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't, I've, it's like, there's so many things I'd rather do with the people that I can get to physically that it just, it's like, I don't, talk, I don't, I just can't, I can't do this. I can't do this. <laughs> even the Skype call is a little out of my zone, but I'm, I'm handling it. Um, <laughs> I tweeted something shortly after uh, the latest DLC had come out—the one that really featured Marasov—and it was something about the game or the queen or something. And all of a sudden, my banal little Twitter account, that as you mentioned, barely sees any life on my end, and didn't see a lot of life on the other end, it was retweeted, and it was there's so many. I was getting tens and dozens of followers every hour and it was just it it really was unnerving <laughs> I, was, I was like why does anybody care why does anybody care what i just said it was you know something i was something about a martini i was drinking at the time and it was like oh my god why do you care Go have your own martini. <laughs> so yeah that that was the closest i've come to feeling anything other than anonymous
1: and suddenly there was a flood of fan art of Mara soft drinking a martini.
3: <laughs> was there really? There? No, there wasn't. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Mara's more of a scotch drinker, wouldn't you say?
1: There we go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's canon. <KMF>. Book it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't
3: know.
0: So with a lot of, I mean, you mentioned earlier that during your interview, um, you know, you interacted with someone else when, when kind of... of Performing the lines and, and performing for that character. Is mm. that something you did during the, the normal recording for the game? Did you get to work with the other voice actors or work with anyone in particular to bounce lines off of? Or was it just hear your lines and you read them in a, in a few different ways and they picked what they liked?
3: Uh, it was a combination of both. Um, w- with the multi character scenes, I often got to work like with Brandon O'Neill, who plays uh, my brother he and I got to do a lot of our scenes together, which is definitely my preference as an actor. Um, The less, as I say to my directors a lot, the less acting I have to do, the better. Um, If I can actually just live it uh, and react to actual circumstances, it just takes away the element of non-reality, which I think can make things land in a much deeper, more affecting way. So whenever you can have another especially really good actor to play with, it just makes it so easy and fun and exciting and dangerous and all that great stuff that actors just love. Um, actually, I was talking to the of guys recently and I was asking about that and, and they said that's definitely their intention for the next, the next big game. Um, the next destiny game that I think is due in 2017 um, is to have more characters in a room, actors in a room talking to each other and, I requested Nathan Fillion. I just, I okay.
4: would
3: <laughs> <laughs> love to just bounce some lines back and forth because that seems like it would be a lot of fun.
2: Well, it
0: seems but, like you'd get a more genuine feel for the lines that are delivered uh, if you're working with someone, as opposed to, to well, let's just imagine people are there.
3: Well, and imagine tone. Imagine right. attitude. I mean, you can, you can deliver hello a lot of different ways you know hello and hello i mean it's just and <laughs> you're only responding to the word on a page unless you have someone's performance to zing with and it it can just take you to much more interesting places
0: yeah Also well, something we on, got oh go
1: ahead and we got to see some of that in taken king i think more so than we did in previous uh incarnations of the game especially there's that scene when all the vanguard and eris and they're having this conversation back and forth and we didn't get to see a lot of ensemble work in the original game but as as destiny has developed it seems becoming more of a thing so it's kind of awesome
3: i hope they keep going in that direction I, I i know they definitely take fan the fans into account um what people like what people respond to they listen those guys have their ears <sighs> out which is i think great um, and smart I mean, they are the creators, and they have a vision, and I respect that. But you know, they're they're making it for their audience to enjoy, so they they want to take that into mind, which I think is good. But um, I mean, it's you know, there's definitely the element that you do like. There was a, I think it, Marisov had this voiceover that started the Taken King, as I recall, yep. and uh, that was just me in a room um, with a lot of imagining. Going on, as they described to me.
1: There wasn't somebody in an orcs costume dancing outside
3: the window. <laughs> that would be awesome.
0: Tapping on the window <laughs> with his sword.
4: <laughs> oh, that would be good. i well, I
1: mean, if they, if if they are listening, the one thing that they probably absolutely have heard is that. You know, a lot of fans were very vocal about the disappearance of Mara, uh, you know, even on I I, I haunt the, the Destiny subreddit quite a bit. And there must have been a hundred posts when that when that video was released, like no, no queen, no play like <laughs> she must be. Wow. In the game. Oh, yeah. It was a there was a big oh, uproar man. about your about fate time. of Mara.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I'm still sitting in a dark room by myself, though. I mean, I'm just saying I keep it in perspective.
0: <laughs> the queen might be, that too. We don't know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is very. I remember going in for the first read through of that scene. Um, and I, you know, we don't get the scripts until we walk in for confidentiality purposes. And I, I read it and I finished reading and I looked up or I guess we read it aloud. And I, we finished, and I looked it up, and I looked at these guys that I'd now known by that point for four years. They got my baby a onesie when she was finally born with a little bungee <laughs> on its butt. I mean, I was like, "This is family." And I looked at them all. I said, "Seriously, you killed me?
0: I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are jerks!" And then you ran out of the room.
3: What? Well, yeah, and they and they were like, "Well, we maybe, maybe." Uh, uh, you know, there was a lot of no answer on that. So yeah, at yeah. least. One of the writers that I talked to the other day said um, if the queen is – she had the best answer for this. She said if the queen is alive, she would be very disappointed to think that her fan, her guardians, have given up faith on her, her hope, hope in her, which I thought that's, that's a good answer.
0: I, I, I accept that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, I, mean, I think it's something that's still talked about constantly. Uh, wow. Like where, where is the queen? What is she doing? When is she coming back? Like she is, she's such a fan favorite and so many people love that character. It's like, at Which, e- even, how little
3: screen time she actually has is, is kind of fascinating because she's not in it that much. I mean, at least to yeah, my knowledge,
1: she makes quite an impression.
3: Well, yeah. it's those eyes.
0: <laughs> well, and she's got a, she's got a pretty deep place in the, the lore of the game that we, we yeah. talk about. Uh, I mean, she's, you know, you, you learn a lot about her, and, and I mean, I know that's not why a lot of people like her. I don't mean that they don't like her, but that's not the reason they like her. Uh, but there's a lot more to learn about her than than kind of just what's presented to you in game. So that's. I makes, see. It makes okay. Fun.
3: Yeah. Uh, so I, where do you, where do you post all those? Because I've read the versions of her backstory that I know of. I'm curious to know whether those are still resonant. Where do where do you post this information that you found on the lore?
0: Um, we can probably get something together and get you uh, get you some stuff to read about your character. Yeah, we we right? talked about
1: I, uh, we talked about it a little bit in the uh, the Reef Wars episode that we did, and we talked about it in our some of our opening episodes when we were establishing sort of the history of the world as we know it. And we talked a bit about it when we covered the uh, books of sorrow and the whole taken king storyline.
3: I see. Okay. Yeah, it's because I I get pieces, but I I don't get the fan response um, and what that's taken it to and that create the creative part of it, which is interesting.
0: We'll get you some info. <laughs> cool. <laughs>
3: but,
0: so I was earlier when I was asking about working with other characters. Uh, I'm going to jump mm-hmm. out of the Destiny world here for a second because I'm I'm a big audiobook fan. I I really like these. And I'm I'm curious about the process. And so I noticed when I was looking through and I had to pull this up because I knew it was a lot but damn audible when you do a search for your name 208 results that is just crazy wow. but anyway when yeah. I was when I was going through all of these looking at the different the different genres and and you know authors and and narration, narrators um, I saw that there were some books that you were a part of that had uh, you know one or two or sometimes three different narrators and it made sense in a few of them there was one that I think it was called, like, Unsung Heroes or or something like that, where it was like, I guess it was...
4: Essays, short stories, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, and so it made sense to have have, have them each read by different narrators. But I found a few that it seemed like, and again, I didn't get a chance to listen to them all, but, but it seems like the story was told with two narrators. And is that something that happens, or is that something that that if there are multiple narrators, is it usually you get this part and they get that part? Or is there any interaction in any of the books that you've narrated?
3: It's the, uh, it's up to the producer to decide if they want to make that creative choice. Um, there was a series of books that I'm attached to that. I just love detective, detective Dee Dee Warren. And, uh, they used to divide it up into three voices. I'm Dee Dee, which is the main voice. And then there's, the way um, the way it's written, there are, um, and actually, somebody checked so I don't say the name wrong. Who who wrote the D.D. Dee Dee series? Um, I can't recall. I don't. I don't think it's Lisa Gardner. I think she's the other one, but um, it might be Lisa Gardner. Anyway, they're wonderful books, and uh, she has it divided up by the primary voice, and then there's the presumed murderer, who has a very distinct voice, and the presumed, and the victim. Uh, and the known victim. So there's a tone shift uh, between chapters that's that's quite clear. And you can tell that it's written from that point of view. So early on, those books were done by three different voices. And it was a little tricky because, of course, the same characters appear in each of the chapters. So trying to get consistency on that was a challenge and eventually they tried one where they let me do all the voices all the chapters and i just got to adapt my own voice to be different characters which was really fun i i can't say better or worse because i know that the chapter the sections of the chapters that i heard the other actors do they they were terrific and um there was nothing that could be found to fault in their performances at all. It's just probably elements of continuity was was what got the producers to decide to just let one voice do it all. Um, but there are other times when I think it would probably be quite moving. Um, I just narrated a book uh, this morning, uh, a tribute to Larry Miller, uh, the owner of the um, the Utah Jazz, who, who died. So they have a, several different... Uh, narrators doing different perspectives from, from different books, So each of us are assigned a few. I'm, I'm all the women, which was only three. But then I think they've got two or three guys that are doing different men. And, you know, it's probably going to create an, an interesting or, oral experience for a mm-hmm. listener. Yeah.
0: yeah. And you were absolutely right. It is Lisa Gardner. And, oh, it uh, is. Yeah. And just doing, like I said, a quick search here. Eighteen books in that series. That is, that is amazing. Wow. Wow.
4: <laughs> and, I don't uh, think
3: I've done. I don't think I, I, I think I've done probably half is my guess. But they're great. Really dark. God, she goes into detail about <laughs> some pretty graphic things. It's fascinating.
0: Yeah, there's about six of them that you aren't listed on. So okay. leaves you with about 12. Um, but yeah, it, it, and there's a few of them that are listed just as you, so that's, uh, that's awesome. But yeah, I don't mean to like I said, I mean to jump back, but but again this, this is interesting interesting to me how some of these are, are done.
3: Yeah, it is it's becoming a more popular way of uh, way of getting books internalized, which is which is intriguing to me. And there are there are some books that I'll prep and I'll think, I can help this book. I can help this book reach its audience um, because often it'll be because it's a nonfiction and it's very dry and I know I can help shape the, the story in a way to make it more accessible or the narrative is a bit dense and I know I can massage it so that a, a listener can get in a little bit better than someone might be able to on the page by adding tone and inflection and warmth or coolness or, or some kind of coloring to help tell the story. And then once in a while, I'll get a story that I just don't want to fuck up.
0: Excuse (laughs) me. (laughs) Oh, you're fine.
3: (laughs) But it's just so beautiful. And uh, as I read it, I I take it. I don't know if you guys have this experience with books where sometimes they just get in, you know, a really personalized way. And it's those books that it's just it almost I, I have to get over the feeling of thinking of myself as a violation to the book that it's like that because I don't want to mess with someone's opportunity to have that same experience so those are the books that I have to be extra gentle with to allow I mean you're always your first responsibility is always to the author and his or her story but but with those ones especially it's it's just trying to get out of the way so that the person enjoying the book can enjoy it in in their very unique way.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You want to do it justice and and you don't, I mean, you want to represent that author, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you want to, you want to do them justice as well. So that's very, it's, it's good to hear. I like to hear stuff like that where, I mean, you know, you're the embodiment of this book now to a lot of people and to, to fuck it up to put it frankly, is, is something you want to do, you know? I mean, yeah, it's, it's great that you take it so seriously and it's, it's amazing.
1: Do you find that that experience to be slightly different in something like a video game where the infusion of your own sort of development of personality is, is really important to the, the, the language and the, the voice of the character?
3: I do. I think video games, obviously pending the tone and style of the particular video game, I think sort of bridges the gap for me between audiobooks and live theater because it's not quite as presentational, uh, To not to disparage live theater, because if it's done well, it should just feel like people talking. But um, <laughs> it's not quite as as put up, put up as that is, but it's not as intimate either as as an audiobook that is a single voice in a person's head so it's it's sort of somewhere in between the two especially if there's no cap involved like that ekes it closer to theater again and i i do find what i lack in um excellence for my inability to focus on a single <laughs> aspect of my fucking career uh, i i do feel the benefit just artistically um because I do think there is a sacrifice to, to doing so many different kinds of work is that, um, it's like a CrossFit workout. It's the books. Keep me honest because if you overact with yourself in a dark room with a microphone, you're going to feel really stupid. <laughs> it's just, really, it just feels really stupid. You know? And, and that's a good reminder because then I go on stage and, I'm not as likely. I hope. I think to overact because I've just been talking intimately to a microphone six inches from my face all day, and I know what storytelling is, and I know that you don't need to do as much as you might think. Um, but then getting to be on stage, I'm not, you know, a hermit alone with myself, and I get to actually interact with other people and feel that experience. And oh, this is what dialogue feels like <laughs> with another
4: human. Isn't this exciting.
3: <laughs> and then with video games, it's like, well, let's just see how far we can blast off the roof and and remove any limitations because there's so many limits to theater and there's so many limits to a single voice narration.
1: Well, and that, you know, I, I really love that, actually, because, you know, to your point, it you know, there's that, you know, you said there's the ability to, to focus on one aspect but at the same time having that spread, having the ability to, to like shift gears in all these different areas, you know, in my own career, uh, totally different, but I, I love the ability to do that because it keeps me moderated. It keeps me from going right. too far one direction. Right. So uh, yeah. I, I love that. I think it's awesome.
3: It, it can be effective as far as just kind of keeping your own dials set in a way that feels right for you. Um, which is good. I, and I do envy the people who, can focus on something and just achieve and achieve and achieve in that direction. Cause that's, that's awesome. You know, and I thought I was going to be that sort of person. I thought I was monomaniacal enough to just gnaw on a single bone until it was just gone. But, um, but it, it just didn't, my path just didn't take me that way. And I, I'm grateful because I think I'm obsessive enough naturally. (laughs) I don't need to (laughs) encourage personality.
0: So there's so there's a few of the books that I found uh, searching for you that are under what's called a performance category, where it mm. looks it looks like they are like live recordings of some of your acting that they put out there in a in just audio uh, yeah.
3: format. No, it's uh, it was probably through the group LA Theater Works, which is this remarkable organization in Los Angeles where they will cast a play, usually one of the great American plays, although there's some it's thrown in there. And, um, you rehearse it for three days. You put it up in front of a live audience for three or four performances. I can't recall. It's been a while since I've done one and, uh, and they record it and edit it and then make a CD and you can buy it. And it's, it's really fun because it's done for the radio. We're speaking into mics. There's a, a Foley guy that does the footsteps and all that stuff. But there's some dynamic to it because you're actually there in a room with an audience, and uh, it's it's great. It's like the old radio dramas. It's yeah, the, really fun.
0: That's what threw me because it was uh, you could definitely hear the audience, and and everything sounded so good. Uh, the the couple that I, I listened to were the the living room and uh, the lost world dramatization. Oh, God. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah, they're pretty fun. So, and they're not real long either. they they were. You know, hour, hour to two hours, something like that. So
3: yeah, those were shorter. I did um, Major Barbara, the George Bernard Shaw one, and uh, a Carol Churchill piece called, oh, God, Top Girls with Amy Brenneman. And uh, they're fun. I mean, it was really, it was just a romp to get to play these, do, do a play in a week, you know. <laughs> is, that's neat. Yeah. yeah. This
0: was way back in 2006 was The Living Room.
3: Yeah, because I left Los Angeles five years ago. The end of this month is five years, so um, it had to be before that. Because I haven't flown down to do an LA Theater Works thing.
0: Very very cool.
3: You so, do your research. Well done.
0: <laughs> I, I t- I'm telling you, I spent I spent way more time browsing your name on Audible than I'd like to admit. With <laughs> I felt, I felt little...
3: other. Audiobooks. This ties into something that you do,
0: which is cool. Oh yeah, it's it's great. I'd I'd love to narrate audiobooks to be honest with you. That'd be fun. You have a good voice. Well thank you. That that actually wow, that means a lot. To be honest, I okay.
1: I tell you that every week. I know, but I don't believe you guys. She
0: knows her business. <laughs> Thanks.
4: Thanks so
1: much. <laughs> no, our opinion means
0: so much to you. I love you guys. Um <laughs> So, something else. Well, I I, mean, oh, go
1: ahead. I was like, well, even to that, like we've even on our show when we have pursued uh, the ideas of getting getting voices to read through the grimoire. Like we've had fantastic sort of uh, results and feedback from our decisions to do that, Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of that plays to uh, your voice uh, and also to Sherb's voice, uh, who probably had the one of the best reactions we've ever seen from our fan base
3: uh wow that's cool so (laughs) yeah people wouldn't listen to your your broadcast if they didn't like the way you sounded (laughs) i mean they would stop (laughs) listening to you
0: (laughs) i guess that's true um i also noticed that june was uh national audiobook month yes it was yeah so Mm -hmm. so uh it's something else I noticed was that you had five of your narrated books release in June. Is that something that was kind of planned for that month, do you know? Or do you, ha- oh, do you have any... What's that?
3: I didn't know that. I never know the timing of when they come out.
0: Yeah, there were there were five released in June. I guess it was uh, about one a week. Um, and, wow. And uh, so I just thought that was interesting. And, and I wasn't sure if that was something that in the, in the audio book or even in just the... Real book world, that's something people kind of sit on things and wait until a popular month like that to release for better sales or, or just maybe to, to maybe be just to be a little more out there in front of people. And, and so,
3: there are definitely uh, ebbs and what do you call ebbs and tides? It it, it does flow in the audiobook industry. I've noticed this over the years that there are hot times. Summer is a hot time because people are taking road trips and they want an audiobook or they're, you know, off a little bit more and relaxed a little bit more and they have a little bit more leisure time. Christmas, it picks up a tiny bit because I think of gifts. Um, and I notice that the beginning of the year is a little slower. Um, I'm not as hit by this anymore. Cause I, I have enough, uh, well, and it could change any time I'm sure, but there are a lot of producers that I work with. Uh, so I generally have a few every month. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. That was not always the case. Um, it was terrifying, uh, for years there, especially before Charlie got the the gig with the, the awesome gig with the fire department that, uh, you know, like any artist, we, I remember he came home from Trader Joe's once with almonds and I I almost killed the man. I was like, What are you thinking? Almonds are seven ninety nine a pound. We can't can't afford almonds. Why are you buying almonds? We laugh about that now because you know we're roping in money, but we can buy almonds anytime we want to. It's like woo! I've got a vault full of almonds. (laughs) You'd think it was gold, like you'd think it was gold bullion, because it was eight dollars a pound, which was you can buy peanuts for three ninety nine. What are you doing? You know, so you even got the ones with sea salt. What are you? Sea salt? (laughs) Crazy! There's a premium on sea salt. (laughs) Caesar, this is absurd yeah i mean we were there we were there not long ago i remember this vividly so it's it's nice to have a little stability i remember the um to move up here we decided to buy a house and um uh, the graciousness of some of my audiobook companies at that point they wrote letters saying that yes we do hire her yes we can we we expect to continue to hire her and back then this was before it this was after the big crash. Um, they took that as as an you know evidence that I could work again. And I remember reading those letters, going, "I hope they're not lying." <laughs> <laughs> I hope somebody hires me. So there's always that. You know, that's always an element for, I think most artists. Which which is why you should do something else <laughs> if you can.
0: Oh, I got a job. <laughs>
3: right. Yeah. Exactly, uh,
0: but it'd be fun. It, it's so, it, it, like I said, I'm. I've commuted forty-five miles one way to and from work for wow. twenty for twenty years. So audiobooks and podcasts have become my pal. After after the first year of trying to listen to morning talk radio, I couldn't handle oh. it. NPR yeah. was great, but even that yeah. eventually got to me. So,
3: well, they repeat it. If you're there, if you're in the car for a solid oh, forty-five yeah. minutes. You're going to hear the same stories a few times. Yes. Yeah, especially uh,
0: this week. <laughs> this oh, past, I, I, these past couple weeks have been brutal with repeat uh, stories. So,
1: Yeah, I grew up with audiobooks, too. Whenever we take a car trip, my dad would get uh, Star Trek episodes
3: on audiobooks.
1: So oh, do you know to...
3: who did them? What what voice did it?
1: Oh, I, I mean, this was the, the early to mid-80s. I'm sure I could find out. I'm sure he still has a whole bunch of them. Oh, uh, yeah, they they were on cassette.
3: <laughs> so, <laughs> right, of course they were. <laughs> yeah. It was wow, yeah, that's that... I mean,
1: that was a sort of big introduction for me for mm-hmm. like to a lot of science fiction and a lot of like the Star Trek sort of universe was my dad just okay, we're gonna we're driving somewhere and it's going we're driving like the baseball hall of fame from right? Massachusetts. So, you know, Ooh. pick up out a whole bunch of Star Trek audiobooks and listen to them on the way.
0: Wow. That's cool. Oh here we go. So audio book audio book by a. C. Crispin was the author, and the reader was Mark Leonard.
3: Okay, huh? Or Leonard, Mark, Mark Leonard. Leonard, you a pretty good gig, narrate the Star Trek books. That would be I fun. Know.
0: Yeah, crazy.
3: That's well, and I just like that idea too. It was, you know, nowadays we're all we got our earbuds in and we're on our respective devices, but to have something that everybody's a part of that that intrigues me right you know that you got to share that with your dad as he was driving and whoever else was in the car that's i like that that's cool
1: yeah we did that a lot as a kid growing up too
3: we never did my parents suck we never did audiobooks we just had to look out the window at license plates and see what states we could find that ran that got cold fast yeah it's that's pretty cool I think we
2: had like one, when we went on long car trips, we didn't have audio books or anything. We had like the musical version of War of the Worlds, the old, sorry, and Ooh. we just put that on. It went for hours. We just like have that Sounds on the car awesome, trip.
4: Though.
2: The musical? Yeah. So that has, uh, yeah, music. It's not, not like it's a musical, but right. there's songs that like really play in the War background of, the of what they're saying. The and
3: wow. Wow. <laughs> Some and then, like, there's a, a song those... that
2: plays when he doesn't meet his girlfriend and everything. Yeah.
3: <laughs> wow. That's
2: pretty cool. They, ma- they made the musical version because people thought the original was real. Yes. They Not freak well, people out.
1: When I was in oh, sixth yeah. grade, uh, I had a teacher who had an original vinyl pressing of War of the Worlds, and he would play it whenever we were taking a test. Oh,
4: that's I'm a little so... distracting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, well, I would just sit and in my chair, just listen to the war of the world. I never got any tests done.
2: I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, I just, I just hear that first sentence and it like sets off all my memories of car trips. Like nobody would have believed in the last few years of the 19th century. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, set off on the whole. <laughs> oh.
3: And the same, and you play the same thing for
2: every road trip? Oh, wasn't every, we didn't do it very often. Okay. But. So get that old. was like that the go-to again
3: with the freaking things. World War. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we were
2: like really young, so we didn't care. We're just like, oh, cool, I love this.
0: Australia. That, did it was either that or barrel. the. Or
2: the, or the... <laughs> no, we didn't. No, um, <laughs> it was either that or the Goon Show. So the what? Yeah, the Goon Show. Have you ever heard of that? When the hell it's is that? It's a British, it's a British radio show, from way back, and it's absurd. It's like the most crazy British humour you can possibly imagine. Oh
0: now i got something i gotta go it. find gotta look
2: it up. yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's but, ridiculous <laughs>
0: yeah. well we're getting off on some pretty weird tangents now yep. so that's sorry, that's always great <laughs> uh not not <laughs> awkward though but just tangents. right um <laughs> i mean i gosh this is this has been so much fun uh drop what else do we have anything else or i mean i think we're kind of coming coming close to the end here um
1: Well, I I really want to ask this last question just because we do have you uh, and we have Sherbert here uh, with us. So and this question is, uh, do you have any advice to offer for folks looking to get involved in voiceover work or performance work?
0: Besides, don't do it. Other than stay away. Besides, (laughs) don't do it. Besides,
4: don't do it. Right. (laughs) I,
3: uh, I my mind has been in a very particular direction, I think because of the of this project I'm working on, this DAISY project right now. And I guess the advice that comes to mind at this particular moment is, um, as you're making choices of what projects you want to do or want to pursue, go for what you feel good doing. If it doesn't feel right, if you think you're compromising yourself to pursue it or do it, whether it's a role or an opportunity, it's probably not the opportunity you want. And I'm kind of fascinated by this idea of ambition that trumps ideals and how often we do that because we think we're supposed to, because we're supposed to lean in and be hungry and be fierce. And I I don't think that If that doesn't feel good, I don't think it's going to take us where we want to go. And the people that I love and respect and work with repeatedly are the people I like. And I don't work with people I don't like anymore. And maybe that's because I can afford almonds. I get to make those kind of (laughs) choices. And maybe that's true. Maybe that's a place I finally got to get to. But I, I feel like in hindsight... Not that I hung out with a bunch of assholes for years. I, I didn't. But I don't think I considered that as part of the decision-making process before. And I certainly do now. And it feels better. Because then there's always going to be a time on a project when it's like, oh, God, this is too hard. Or I shouldn't. and oh. Uh, and, but if I know I thought it through and I chose it because I, I love it and I believe in it, it, it feels better even when it's tough. I don't know. Is that too yeah. preachy?
4: No, no
1: that's, good that's advice. great. That's why we do this yeah. show.
3: Well, right. I mean, <laughs> it's, and this is your passion and people are listening and who knows where it'll take you, but you like doing it. And that's that's the hardest part sometimes, I think.
1: Hmm. And there you have it. Sound advice.
3: Yeah. Very <laughs> good advice,
1: yeah. <laughs> Got a little teary there at the end.
4: <laughs>
1: so oh, scooby <laughs> we just, just lock in a closet and make him design t-shirts for us
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> t-shirts do it because you love it
3: right yeah i know there's always going to be a you know a pill to swallow but
0: <laughs> like romance novels that you read and think you're gonna hate right yes and and
3: you know once in a while you, you'll you'll tell if you hear the audiobook where I just do this random Swedish accent for the protagonist. You're gonna know I probably didn't like that project.
2: <laughs> you just want okay. to make it fun for yourself. Yeah. Speaking of that, I think
1: uh, is it too much to request that that Scottish accent? I might have to hear that. <laughs>
3: Oh, I don't know if I can do it right, sir, because I like to make it really hard and rule the arts. So it's almost as much Russian or Japanese or British or as much as these Scottish. fish. It's not actually anything at all. I don't know if it's even in Europe anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's never hire this crazy uh, lady uh, again. It's so aggressive. Yeah. <laughs>
3: If I go oh, I got like, three words. Yes, master, do that faster. You know, it'll like, shows gonna talk much if I do it that bad. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Uh, I can sleep well tonight. Thank you.
3: <laughs> I don't well, know. I'm kind of
0: scared now.
3: <laughs> I know. I was gonna say, that probably wouldn't help my sleep. Even yeah. knowing I just did that on radio is not gonna help my sleep. <laughs> oh, man.
0: That's so, so great. Um, well, we'll
1: just strip that audio out and, and lay it over a cutscene with. The queen from Destiny, and
0: <laughs> put oh the God. queen in a pub.
4: As she's walking down those stairs, what the <laughs> world you you beastie.
1: With a bottle of scotch. <laughs> oh, we God. need we need
0: you to do that mocap over again, but a little more <laughs> wobble. <laughs> Wait, now I'm picturing you pregnant in a mocap suit with a bottle of scotch, walking downstairs.
3: No, 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 na, not well pregnant. I, you you know, know,
0: I like... know, I know, I but... know. Oh, so good. Oh boy, man. All, all right. right, we fully evolved. Okay. Yes, <laughs> we have. We have done it. We. Uh... Man, gosh, thank you so much. This has been been amazing. I, I mean, we've talked to other people, and every time it's such a different, just. It, it, entirely different show. I mean, I know they're different people, but it's like we'd never know where it's going to go. And this has had some great ups and downs. And, and I mean, thank you for, for being a guest. And thank you for all the hard work you put into Bungie and Destiny and The Queen and all of the hundreds of audiobooks that you read. I mean, that is amazing to me still. I mean, that I'm, I'm more impressed by that than I am the Queen, to be honest. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I, I I, mean, I get it. I, that's a, a, Some of those books are really long, and I mean, it. I know it, If and especially if you're self-editing, that is, that, that's a hard one. Well, not best.
3: all. The LA ones were usually with a director or an editor, but that's, since the Seattle move, it's been self-direct, self-edit, self-edit.
0: Regardless, self-editing, something like that is, you know, increases the time, and uh, and yeah, you've got to be. You're you're probably more critical of yourself than someone else doing the editing after the
3: fact. It is. It's a relief to have a director sometimes because it's just they do tend to be less relentless on on me than I am, which is exhausting. So it's nice to have somebody in there going, "No, no, that was good. You're fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Yeah."
0: But. Yeah. Yeah, hyper being hypercritical of yourself can can come very easily and quickly, especially when you I mean, does that ever okay, sorry. We're not done because I got another question now. Does that ever come into play whenever you're reading an audiobook or, or performing your VO that, you know, you're thinking about how many people are gonna be hearing your voice and and just does that ever get to you or is it just you're you're so used to it now that that it's pretty much just a brush off?
3: I guess I'm not worried about the people as much as... I, I worry about authors, um, I, and I, I, I worry about the characters. I, I worry that the character isn't coming across as well as she could, or as well as she needs to, or a, a, a nuance to a moment. It's like, oh no, I, that, that, I made that too, too fearful. She should be more brave. You know, it's, it's more about that, that I feel like I'm doing a disservice to the story. How it gets received... I I usually put my head in the sand because it's I can't control that and I can't affect it. And if, you know, if one character is popular or one book is condemned, I've had books that I was so proud of because I really believe that I I did the right thing by the story that weren't critically well received. So I don't read reviews and I try to avoid fan reactions because I feel like that's not my job. That's the job of the marketing department, and hopefully, I don't make their jobs really difficult. But, <laughs> but my job is to the story and to the character, um, and and I think the rest of it is just kind of static. That's going to cause my ear to make like a critic. Even if they pay you a compliment, then all you can think about is that oh, well, the critic liked the way I flipped my hair on that line. It's like you're never going to flip your hair right again because you're <laughs> going to be thinking about flipping your hair and not about what you're actually trying to do with that line. So right. It's not helpful to think about the audience as uh, yeah
0: good no great that's a I love that answer that's that's great, and that I hope that anyone listening that that is that is a performer or is overly critical of of themselves or worried about what other people think don't worry about it because it doesn't help. <laughs>
3: So well, yeah, and we're gonna the... we're gonna beat ourselves up internally enough just with our own voice. We don't need to worry about other people's <laughs> voices,
0: <laughs> right? Right, yeah. and that's something big I see a lot now. Is everyone is is very worried about how they're perceived by other people when they're doing something that they love, and and so to to kind of break away from those things is, is huge in helping to build self esteem and and being yourself. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that. So well. Mm-hmm. That's all I got. I'll
3: stop now. <laughs> all right.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> thank you guys for your, uh, for doing this. This was fun to be a part of. Thanks for having me. Oh gosh. Thank,
1: thank you, you so much. Yeah, thank you.
3: Yeah, really.
1: All hail the queen. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> right.
3: <laughs> in her little black room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is, yeah, it is, it is one of the best mysteries in Destiny right now and everybody's looking yeah. forward to seeing what happens, so.
3: Myself included.
4: Yeah. <laughs> De-
2: definitely one of the characters I've seen most people have as their favorite. Like wow, just yeah. by person by person who who their favorite character is. I'd say the Queen wins with a yeah. lot of it. Yeah. Wow. Or Cade. I'm, I don't know.
4: <laughs> yeah, the Queen and
0: Cade. So. Wow. Well, That's if cool. if uh, if you want to visit Kirsten on her Twitter site again, it is Kirsten underscore Potter and uh, she's also got a website which is uh kirstenpotter.com and even though we're saying kirsten it's spelled k i r s t e n it'll be in the show notes we'll have links to everything um, also go check out it if you're interested at all go to audible do a search for her name and just start looking through all of her works uh, it's it's such a i I just reading through the names is great and it was a it was a fun 2 hours <laughs> that I spent last week doing that. Um, but uh, wow. yeah, check it out. Pick up an audiobook. Do something different if you've never... If you've never had used an audiobook, get one and check it out. They're they're great. Uh, we are...
3: play. Learn something about politics. We're yeah,
0: there, there's some very, very interesting ones that you've done. And... I just love how your voice evolves from older stuff to newer. And it's you've got... You've got a commanding voice, but also a soft side whenever you, you hear you, whenever you're reading different things. It's, it's so, so great. I'm a fan, by far. So.
3: Thank you very much. <laughs> cool.
0: Uh, yeah, and if you want to check us out, we are at DGhost Stories on Twitter, at uh, DestinyGhostStories at gmail.com. If you want to send us some feedback on this episode or uh, ask us any questions, comments, whatever that's it that's all we got thanks for tuning in and we'll see you all next time Thanks, everyone thank
4: you guys